Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Before you listen to the podcast, I want to tell you about one of my favorite things in the world, the lit teacher training. Creating this comprehensive teacher training really felt like my life's work compilation, and I hold nothing back. My mission is for everyone to know and understand the whole body, functional movement, and the how and why behind the movement choices we make to feel empowered, transforming your own lives, and sharing that knowledge with others. In the Lit Teacher Training, we investigate the poses and transitions, the energy flow through this vessel of our body, and work to move through space with increased precision and fluidity to create more joy and fun. So ask yourself, are you enjoying the life you're living in your body? If you're not fully, there's no better time than now to create new pathways and new opportunities And with that fresh palette, attempt to emphasize growth and connection rather than accomplishment. Learning how to give people feedback in their bodies so that they retrain their own neural pathways and habitual movement patterns is truly a gift. And you will get that in this training. With both our self-guided and in real-time virtual experience, the 10-week training is rich in functional anatomy from my background as a physical therapist, methodology, and yogic philosophy through a modern-day lens. Like the hundred of others around the world, you will complete the training with new skills, sound knowledge, and confidence to teach others. And you have access to the training for life. Finally, our Lit Teacher community is vibrant and supportive, and being a part of it is like having all your friends with who you speak the same language with the same passion. So join this experience for reverence of the body as the container of the divine to change your life. Go to LitYogaTraining.com, and I can't wait for you to join our community. Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Lit Yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to the Wednesday Q&A where you all ask the questions and we answer. I am joined as always by my lovely, amazing, intelligent, and such a fun co-host, Kristen Williams. Hey, Laura. Hey, everybody. Ooh. Fun. We are fun. We, we have are fun. fun. We are fun. We have fun together. We do. We love us. We love All us. right. Let's go ahead and get started here. We had um, a, a question sent in to our support at lityoga.com. 
from Summer. And she says Summer has um, pain deep in her right glute that shoots down the back of her leg. It has been insistent for over three months now. I haven't done a workout or yoga class since February. I'm an athlete, so it's really beginning to wear me down and it interferes with my daily life. It started back last July after I finished my first half marathon. A few weeks after the race, I developed horrible low back pain that shot down the right leg. The doctors gave me a firm diagno- uh, diagnosis without imaging tests, but he prescribed muscle relaxers and t- wouldn't give me a firm diagnosis. But he gave her muscle, muscle relaxants, anti-inflammatories, and told me to do piriformis stretches. The meds and rest eventually put it into remission, and I stopped doing all seated forward fold postures and never stretched my hamstrings without bending my knees, trying to be very mindful of neutral pelvis and to protect my SI joint and lumbar spine. But in February of March this year, it came back. This time, I have no pain in the low back, just the glute in the back of the leg. It's worse first thing in the morning, and sometimes it wakes me up at night. I've been working with some functional movement practitioners for about a month now, trying to relieve and correct the tish- the issue, but it's truly a roller coaster. Some days I take two steps forward, I think it's getting better, and then the next I take three steps back. I can hardly walk without medication. Sitting aggravates it the most, especially sitting in a car. I have a desk job, but I've been using a standing desk exclusively since March. When doing windshield wipers with my knees, I find that internal rotation is much more accessible and pain-free on the affected side. To make things a little more complicated, my husband and I are dealing with infertility issues and trying to conceive. So I'm feeling pressured to get this figured out before I get pregnant and add even more variables to the mix. Any insight is greatly appreciated. I love your podcast, love your platform, and love the supportive and playful energy you put out. I want to get back and moving well so that my cup overflows again like yours. Mm. Bless her heart. I mean, sweetie, yeah. You know, this is so frustrating, especially for athletes. And this is who we see get this presentation. This, yes, it presents just like a sciatica, like a piriformis syndrome, like she was quote unquote diagnosed with, it sounds like, even though you wouldn't give her a firm diagnosis. Um, and it's not uncommon to get this type of stuff after after a uh, endurance running event. I certainly have had flare-ups in the past myself. I will be honest, I haven't gotten one like that since I've been doing lit regularly. So I do think it oftentimes boils down to an imbalance, especially when it's on one side. Um, she did say she has a desk job, which is an immediate red flag for us, right? And she did say that she now has been exclusively using a standing desk, which is also another little bit of information, I think, that um, I myself, I have a desk that trans does sit and stand. But, um, you know, whenever we hear that people are doing an athletic event, a job, something that is prolonged, not to mention she's got this other stress in her life with infertility. To me, Laura, this is pointing to the hips, right? This is pointing to she's talking about how that internal rotation on the the affected side is more free. She's talking about um, how, uh, you know, it's, it's really dependent upon sitting. Sitting makes it worse. Um, you know, and and it's presenting like a classic referred issue from the buttock, pelvis, 
tip. Um, she's given us just about as much information as we could possibly have without seeing her, which I would love. You are someone, Summer, who I would love to to look at, to look mm -hmm. at your posture, to look at how you move, to really ask you, how does your practice feel left side versus right side? Do you notice a difference? You probably do. Um, and, you know, what she says, she's working with someone who's been doing corrective exercises. Has that been helping? There's so much more to, to, to go in here with for her, but I would absolutely be wanting to look at that hip mobility left to right, look at the hip strength left to right, look at her posture, her pelvis. Um, and ding, ding, ding. See where yeah. she is. What else do you have on that one? Yeah, I mean, I agree, Summer. If if you want to send us um, some postural pictures and some maybe hinging forward, but, you know, based on this, blindly going into it, um, I mean, I my gut is the same. It sounds like a lumbo-pelvic stability issue that it correlates to the hip because so I have this skeleton behind me. You can't see it if you're not looking, but there's a lot of nerves in this lo lower lumbar area that meets up with the sacrum and the pelvis. If your pelvis is chronically tipping forward, you essentially are um, compressing that area that is those are nerves, but you also are compressing blood flow. You're compressing lymphatics, all of that. And that can just, over time, it doesn't show, this is the issue. It doesn't show up. You can be really active, really strong and for years, maybe even decades. And then, you know, you lean over and something feels really bad in your back. And it's just, it's been brewing um, and it's connective tissue that is, that is restricted and that restriction, when your pelvis is not in neutral, is going to restrict your hip mobility. And what you're doing, sitting, standing, running, all in one plane, doesn't require huge ranges of motion of your hip. A lot of runners we see can kind of just throw themselves through the air, for lack of a better uh, you know, yeah. term, and, and not use their hips that much. They can really use overuse their shins and down the chain um, and then their low back. So first I would say, whoever you're working with, and, and by the way, come on to Lit because our Lit Daily, we have an abundance of classes that emphasize, all of our classes, dare I say, emphasize lumbo-pelvic stability. Um, but I know Kristen's got hip pathology series, a sciatica series. You don't have to have sciatica to take the sciatica series because all of these are under the same umbrella. There's some dysfunction and pathology in the um, lumbopelvic stability and hip mobility. That's all there together. And that could be coming from your rib cage, not moving well there, thrusting the ribs forward, your position of your head. I just had a private yesterday who is having low back stuff. She always has shoulder and neck stuff, but her head is so far forward. So all of that tissue, I said, it's like putting on pajamas that are too small, you know, that feeling. And it's like, there's going to be a tug. So you've got to work on your lumbo-pelvic stability to, and get proper spinal alignment and posture because you need that to distribute load evenly because when it's not aligned, that, that load from the ground, um, from your body weight above is not being distributed evenly. So your low back might be really, really uh, taking the connective tissue there is like really taking a lot of that. And that affects 
the way your hips can move, that affects the blood flow, and that'll affect the nerve. So that pain in deep in your butt is really, I think, like Kristen said, referred. It's the the, and that's where we. It's always you've got to work with people who look at the whole system, because if you go to where the pain is and you bullseye on that, you're really missing a lot, and you're missing like, well, how are you move? How is how are your hips moving in different planes, getting up from the ground? Um, are you able to? do some lateral movement. You talked about forward folds, seated forward folds. Take them off of your, just don't even do those. They will do nothing for somebody like you. They don't do anything for me. But for anybody that has that, they're gonna give you the sensation of their pulling, but it's not gonna change the biomechanics. So if you wanna go deeper into this, please just send us a video and let us look at it. But that is my, my gut is that it's definitely there. And good luck with the fertility stuff. Um, I know that it's it's so mental and just believe in abundance and believe that that baby is coming your way and prepare your body to, to you know, be able to carry it healthfully. And, and you're doing that by even inquiring about it. But getting that lumbopelvic stability is so important prior to pregnancy um, because those little things or not so little things can become more significant as the weight in the uterus is uh, redistributing um, weight on yeah. your pelvis. And I would say like, she's got that standing desk, you know, stand and sit, you know, yeah. if it can trans, you know, prolonged standing is going to be just as detrimental. As yeah. The sedentary is really almost like stationary. stationary. Like sedentary is you're not moving out of one position. So it doesn't mean from sitting. It could be from standing. So it, yeah. it, it's the, the variety of movement and that you really need to move um, often. You know, for somebody like you, you need to get out of your desk every 20 minutes. That's not going to, until this starts to, you know, it doesn't mean you get out for, but you can get up for five minutes, do some lateral lunges, do some rotation. Um, you're going to need strengthening probably more than stretching but uh, some fascial work would also probably benefit, you know, some like really good structural integration. And so, I agree with that hip yeah. mobility because I'm a classic runner. I do not use my hips. Like walking, I feel more hip work. I know. I, I know. Like, I remember Whoa! running and it just kind of like you land and you, and that's what those wonderful, you know, yeah. the Achilles is made for. It's like, but yeah. you can get away with it. Um, and especially if you've got that anterior, any kind of anterior tilt or lumbopelvic instability, it's going to continue to kind of tighten that low back. Yep. Hi, friends. I'm reminding you we have an upcoming Lit Europe tour, and we would love for you to join us. Whether you live in Europe or not, get on to these workshops. Maybe travel with us and go from one place to another. I mean, we're going to Paris. We're going to Frankfurt, Germany. Then we're heading to Salzburg, Austria. We're going to have the best time, and we would love to see you. There's nothing like an in-person workshop experience to fine-tune your movement, get some real educational nuggets for better movement on and off the mat. And by the way, we have the best time together. We would love to give you a hug and help you move your best and feel your best. So join us in Europe this summer. Check out the show notes for all the details. All right, Jennifer Artman, uh, my question for the podcast, having connective tissue disorders, there isn't a whole lot I can do without making matters worse for myself by way of inflammation. So I stick to 
movement, quote, gentle stretches and things like um, Qigong. This has always worked well since I'm naturally long and lean, but I'll be 50 in August and I'm in menopause and my middle is getting icky. Is there a gentle way to tighten this area without hurting myself? I can't plank because of what it does to my neck and shoulders. Physically, I can do almost anything. I'm not weak. I'm just very flexible, but my fascia is apparently a mess. Aw. Well, bless you. Uh, having uh, KB's not in menopause yet, but um, ha- I'm in menopause, and I know a lot of other women in menopause that do talk about that kind of middle, I don't know, what is it called again? The there's a ten, there's a term for it yeah. <laughs> but basically your middle Ooh, like you just kind of uh that's women do tend to get more accumulation of fat in their middle after menopause because of the imbalance of hormones there's a balance of hormones which include testosterone by the way it's not just estrogen and progesterone it's testosterone um might tend to make that the middle section more inclined to just hold on to stuff so i that i don't know to like, I, I'm more concerned about how you feel. I, I know you're also concerned about how it looks because that's just how we are. But uh, let's let's talk about the feeling part more because I think when you feel better and are able to move better, then you will feel stronger and you you're you're just going to feel better about yourself all the way around. So you're very flexible. You have a connective tissue disorder. Um, you say you can't do plank. Um, I. I'm not disagreeing with that, but I do know people with connective tissue disorders that eventually do plank. So I, I one thing I would say is open up your uh, your vision of what is potential. You will need to focus excessively on stabilizing your core well, because with any kind of connective tissue disorders, there is a decreased proprioception that uh, where you're able to really map where you are in space and get that sense, uh, you know, that input from your body to your brain and back to your body about being able to hold a position well. And so being on the floor is so good for you. You don't have to do plank, do quadruped, do quadruped on blocks where you're getting a little bit of more, I don't want to say instability, but it's not quite the same as a firm surface. You working, getting that um, that ground reaction force up through your arms is going into your shoulders, which is going into your center as well via your scapula. Uh, and you know, do movement, but I would really even add some weights. Now for you, I think a, a small load is going to be helpful. So it could be anywhere from one pound to three pounds in each hand, because what the weight is going to do it's not about getting strong. It's actually about getting more information. You need a little bit of extra load. And I've seen this with people that I've worked with who have um, hypermobility that gets more information into the brain about how to manage that, manage your center by having the, the weights in your hands. So even doing some squats with a little bit more weight in your hands um, to get more stability, to get more core integration. So core doesn't have to just happen by lying on your back and doing abdominals or being in plank. It can happen by moving your limbs because that's what the core is meant to do is stabilize against the movement of your limbs. And you can start without you know much weight at all and just add a little bit more weight on there. Um, what, what would you have, what would you add to that? Well, first of all, I love that you pointed that out about the plank, you know, because we, 
we have some people with severe, I would argue severe, people on the platform, people who've been doing lit and, and they've been doing it very slowly and really modifying, but it's been the most gratifying to watch them, especially, you know, someone like her who, you know, who has this connective tissue disorder. I mean, those are debilitating. They, that they, they, they really are. And if you've never known someone who's had one, you know, it's, it's, it's truly to me, one of the worst things I think, especially someone like her who is long and lean can have because she already has just her body build working against her. You know, if, if she was short and stout, connective tissue disorder wouldn't be as, as a big right. of an issue, but you know, she's already biomechanically set up to be, you know, those longer levers are, you don't have the connective tissue to stabilize, but that doesn't mean, you know, that you can't really work towards getting stronger. And, and I, and I think that's going to help her. I think it is going to help the pooch, you know, as mm -hmm. well as just how she feels um, getting that strength. Because I think what you're talking about with the proprioception and just having a hard time feeling, you know, where you are in space, that also ties in, I would assume, to just that ability to create that longer shape. If you can, because I think a lot of, yes, there we can't change the hormones. We can't change, I think, the way the fat distributes differently as we age. Um, but, you know, our body shape, we can, uh, which matters. You know, as we age, I see this, people's posture starts to de degenerate. And so, and if we can, and so the belly goes out because the spine shortens. So as we get that strength, that length, and planking is part of that ability to, in my opinion, because I'm long and lean too, to really wrap the tailbone long and lengthen out through the spine and pull up in those deep abdominals and then couple that with having a connective tissue disorder. You know, she's really going to have to, plank could be a two-year, three-year goal that is broken down into, yes, quadruped doing things. And you mentioned your neck and plank. So I would say lift your head up and look forward. Yeah. A lot of people have their head way too low in plank and that burdens the neck and shoulders. Just lift it up a little bit. Not like you're lifting your chin, but really almost look, lift it like you've got something underneath, which might feel a little awkward at first. And the other thing I would just add is watch what your forearms are doing. So people, everyone without hypermobility, but definitely with hypermobility, they just spin the form. That gives you that like locked out hyperextended elbow feeling, which is a, a little bit of a speed bump to that energy coming up into your core. Mm -hmm. So when I say don't spin your forearms, I mean, look at them and don't let that move at all. <laughs> And really think in your brain, even if it's not translating right away, about the back of your shoulder, your tricep, trying to tighten there to connect that energy from the ground up. That could be another reason that your shoulder and neck aren't feeling great is if you kind of lock out your elbows like a lot of hypermobile people do and kind of spin up the forearms, mm -hmm. it takes your it rounds your upper back and then you get the turtleneck. It feels awful for anyone, but I'm sure it feels really bad for you. But like like what KB said, just starting in quadruped and then maybe walking your knees back a little bit. Plank doesn't have to necessarily 
or ever mean your knees are off the ground, but that you work toward that. So progress toward it versus just writing it off completely. And I yeah, think getting on your of- forearms too is important. Mm-hmm. And in terms of endurance, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, that that you know that maintenance of position for prolonged periods is is tough. And yeah, but keep us posted. Happen. We'd love to hear any th- any other thoughts you have, um, Jen. All right, we got uh, uh, an anonymous question sent in to our podcast. She says she has a question for the podcast, which I love, by the way. Thank you so much for all you both do. I am a PTA, that's a physical therapist assistant, and a yogi, and really enjoy how you merge the two worlds. I have a friend recovering from osteomyelitis of the lumbar spine. While blood work and scans show the infection is going away, maybe two more weeks left of antibiotics, and he is moving better. He still has pain with bed mobility, rolling, supine to sit, and sit to stand especially first thing in the morning. Any thoughts on exercises to help his back feel better, less stiff while he is recovering? As a clinician, I have never seen osteo, lumbar osteomyelitis and I'm, am unsure how to proceed. Thanks and be well. And so for people who don't know what osteomyelitis is, it's an, it's an, it's an infection of, of the bone. Um, and so... Uh, Actually, you know, the spine is, is one uh-huh. a common area. You know, the spine, the hips, um, yeah. that I have seen people with having that, especially adults. Um, so that I, I, maybe you haven't seen it yet, but that's not unusual for, for adults to have that in the, uh, in the spine and hips. Right. And so when you have a bony infection, there is certainly a, a, an, an instability that can cr- be created around the bone. And so a lot of times people are advised you know, not to do stuff to rightfully so to stress the bone until that infection is cleared up and the, you know, the bony integrity becomes more substantial. So it's no wonder I would guess he's probably not probably been feeling pretty low, but um, also probably has not been moving very much. And it's good to hear that he's pretty close to being cleared out by way of infection. But, you know, I think we still have to be mindful of of both how that has maybe stiffened around the spine, but also how the integrity of the the bones might be, which is why I love lit, because we never crank on anything. Um, we're not pushing into any end ranges of motion. So, you know, for someone like him, he feels worse in the morning. He's almost presenting to me similar to like a... Um, ankylosing type of a you know just that classic tightness in the um in the spine in the in the in in the low back from lack of movement so you know first thing in the morning just having him rock from side to side the knees maybe even doing some gentle pelvic tilting just to kind of get the juices flowing even if he's not working at the spine having him do stuff in the chest in the upper thoracic getting a lengthening that way, even like our low bridge, I think mm. before you get out of bed, feet, bend the knees, feet down, lift the hips, draw that tailbone long, just that littlest bit where he can then kind of tiptoe the spine down and just, Laura, you, you use that analogy that I love where you're taking like a, a credit card and you're bending it and how you just sort of have to grease the wheels a little bit. You don't want to go so far that it breaks or like when you're trying to a Dora's jam and you sort of wiggle it back and forth to to get that movement. It, you know, it sounds to me like 
for him, the initial thought will be movement, you know, loosening up, loosening up his hips. I bet his hips are tight. So having him do just a soup, you know, supine figure four, working towards cat cow, working into some lateral planes of motion. He certainly, I think, will benefit from stability work as well. So a combination of the two. But, you know, for someone like him, you do want to let pain be your guide, but not be your, you know, you can't listen to pain it's where you don't do anything that causes you discomfort. So he may be moving into some discomfort, but, you know, really, I like to use the stoplight analogy. Let him move into some green light, yellow light, nothing up in the red light type of pain. And just as he moves, he probably feels better as he gets going. You know, what else would you say for that, Lara? Yeah, I would look at it like this is a diagnosis. It's a bacterial infection. That itself is just almost analogous analogous to anything. Like you had COVID for two weeks and you're in bed. You know, it, it, you, there's being having some attack to your body usually makes you less mobile and you're recovering you have less energy your body is using energy to help the healing process so all in all i would just look at it less like focusing on the lumbar like the area that it happened and just more that like he's just recovering from not being well and that could apply to anything again like you know i've we've had so many people over the last few years with covid and of course it's a, it's obviously a different um, disease and infection, but similar in the sense that recovery itself is going to feel um, like you're going to get fatigued and all that. So it, it's just like get the motor going. Um, I totally agree with what Kristen said. I don't think it's you have to stay away from movement, um, but you don't have to directly move around the lumbar spine because if there's so many things that attach to it that also like you move your ribs, you're going to get some of that back tissue. You move your hips, you're going to get some of that back tissue. Lateral movement, awesome. So I would just say um, proceed, you know, carefully just like you would with anybody who's recovering because the recovery from an attack on your body, bacterial or viral, that itself takes um, a lot of energy. And that's why we feel so tired, you know, when something like that happens. But movement is going to help. Remember, his um, lymphatic system, which is going to help clear out any remaining remnants that the the back uh, antibiotics didn't take care of, like that's what we need to do because the lymphatics are uh, a huge drivers for our immunity and they require movement to work well. So it's like we do have to get you know start start pumping and but it can be small at first and then just uh, see how his body responds. Yay. Great questions. That was a variety. Um, as always, we love your questions. We love that you are loving and supporting our podcast. We um, we just are so grateful, grateful, grateful. Um, so please keep the questions coming. You know, you can find us on Instagram. I'm Laura.Hyman, KBWilliams99, or you can just directly go to the podcast um, IG handle, which is Redefining Yoga Podcast, and write a, a, a question there. And you can also email us like several of our questions came in today via email support at lit that's l-y-t yoga.com we forward get those forwarded to us and we save them in a little folder and then it might take us a few few weeks but um you know know that we will get your questions answered and nothing is off the table so as we love if you would rate and review as well on whatever podcast 
platform you listen on because that helps helps us. It we does. It helps us a podcast. lot. And we <laughs> love it. Yeah, we love it. So thank you so much. And as always, we're pulling for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.